All right, a lot going on today. Periscope is going away. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what might replace it, how Twitter might handle live streaming going forward. And we're also going to talk about how you can use photography to enhance your social media and your branding, how you can take good photos for Instagram as well as for your thumbnails and your banners and just overall visual strategy. Uh, we have Dr. Tachi here to talk about Periscope. We have Stefan Kaplan here to talk about photography. Let's do it. Welcome to StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. We're going to talk all about photography coming up in about 10 minutes. But first, one of the biggest stories really in live streaming since we've been doing this show, it impacts StreamYard users. It impacts pretty much anybody who's been following live streaming over the years and is aware of the importance of Periscope. Periscope was one of the first major social live streaming apps. Today, I often talk about it as you go to Periscope because it gets you on Twitter. Eventually, you'll be able to just go to Twitter as Periscope is going to shut down and Twitter's, well, they're going to facilitate a way for you to live stream on Periscope on uh, on Twitter. How they're going to do that, what they're going to do, I'm not sure. Is this a good thing for live streaming? Is it not a good thing for live streaming? Well, let's bring on Dr. Tachi because she's been a guest on this show before. You know her as the host of Mediascope. She's been live streaming for longer than I have and probably more consistently and certainly a lot more on Periscope than I have. And so she's seen the development from pretty much from the start of social live streaming to today. And as I mentioned, she hosts Mediascope every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern across social media. Dr. Tachi, welcome to the show. It's great to see you. The un irreplaceable Ross Brand. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Oh, my goodness. I am so wonderful. I really so, am. <laughs> so this is kind of like the biggest news in a while for a major social platform. Um, and, you know, when we started, it was Meerkat. It was Periscope. I never really did Meerkat. I, I didn't do very many Periscopes either because I, I always did this talk show kind of format. And there was Blab. And it's... It's hard to think that what got started in 2015, that world is going to be no more once Periscope goes away. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, but we saw this coming. Uh, Ross, did you not see this coming? Of course. Of course. <laughs> we, I mean, <laughs> you really would have had to have been looking your back turned to this not to see it coming. There was, uh, it was discovered. We already knew because whenever, and, and you know from Blab days, whenever the developers, the people at the top stop paying attention to the app, stop being as responsive to inquiries. That's when you know something is up, they're pivoting or they're closing. And so right. we've seen this for a, a long time with Periscope. There really hasn't been any budge in terms of daily active users since, since the beginning in five years. So they've been stuck at 10 million for a while. So we knew it wasn't necessarily economically viable. People were leaving the app. They weren't. And then the big thing was when Kayvon actually became absorbed into Twitter. That's right. when we knew, okay, this is this is not for long. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. 
So, I, I mean, how how are you viewing this? Are you viewing this like, okay, you kind of have a sense of inevitability about it, obviously. This was going to yeah. happen. Like I say, when I talked about Periscope, it was you go to Periscope because it gets you on Twitter. Yeah. The, the, I, I don't remember the last time I went into Periscope to look for live streams or to go live. I went always went live in recent years with the the a third party app into Periscope producer out to Twitter and even on um, some of my graphics now I don't have the Periscope anymore I've had the Twitter the one that's up here does have Periscope but like you said it's going away what what does this mean for us is it just going to be the same thing but on Twitter or do you think it's going to be there's going to be a change in how people are using live streaming now on Twitter. No, <laughs> no, I, you know, the thing is, I think that we've all been, shall I say, if <laughs> disappointed so much by these different apps that we've come to be very pensive when it comes to things. Remember back in the meerkat days, people had meerkat wallpaper, <laughs> meerkat uh, clothing, all sorts of things. And I think we've stopped being as invested in apps because we know they can go away. So I think that's kind of the thing. There have been signs for a while. I don't think right. anybody is surprised. I did watch Periscope last night and I basically noticed all the funeral dirges that were going on in terms of, you know, long live Periscope or good farewell Periscope. So I, I, I don't think that anything is going to change. What I do think is that people are now really, I think, more aware because Periscope was really the last of the, quote, original consumer ones that, you know, right. started first. And so I think people are really aware of the fact that they can and will go away, not to put all of your social media eggs in that basket <laughs> right, or your right. live streaming eggs in that basket. And so I think people will just be waiting to see. I'm waiting to see whether Twitter is going to do something with their own API where we'll be able to do that. Because as it is now, you could go live, but it's still through Periscope because Periscope right. doesn't shut down until March. So I'm waiting to see exactly what they do. Are they going to take the live streaming thing seriously? Do they think that there is too much competition and they're just going to kind of slowly phase it out like they did with Vine? I'm waiting to right. see what they do. <laughs> yeah. Remember Vine? So Twitter does have a history of purchasing, really kind of promoting very heavily these video apps and then stepping aside when you know it no longer makes sense for them to focus on it anymore exactly and they're letting it go like a dove into the sky i and mean they, right and they just <laughs> bought another one yeah so they actually bought this uh chat app called squad it's yeah. video chat it's not something i've ever used or really know anything about uh but they're excited and this is the tweet from uh i think it's pronounced Ilya brown she's one of the uh a vp of something or other at twitter and she says uh squad's talented team brings a deep understanding of how people participate in interactive audio and video conversations uh an important pillar in the spectrum of conversations we're looking to serve on twitter um, so on one hand, it's, it's kind of just corporate jargon. And then on the other hand, it seems to indicate that the days of the one to many, you know, tap it up <sighs> with some hearts and all that stuff. That's not what they're going towards. They're going to it's more what we're doing here, I would assume. But whether it's going to be more focused towards a younger audience, less sort of show based and more chat based, 
that that's what's going to be interesting to see. I don't I don't know if you have any thoughts on on that. I'm just I'm just ripping off the top of my head because yeah. this is all like this is all new. We right. all are, dude. We all are. <laughs> <laughs> We're all flying by the seat of our pants with this stuff. I you know, I think that that's that's very valid. Those points are very salient. I I think that because unless they're looking to pivot, they already had one app that was very youth focused which was Vine. And they botched that or closed that. I don't right. know if they're really looking to get into the youth market. So to do things like what a TikTok would do or what Instagram Live would do that is youth focused, I don't know that that's what they're looking to do because right now it still very much feels like a news app. It still it very much feels like the app that journalists and everything use. So I, I am with you where I would think they would go more towards the traditional show format because I don't think they know how to do anything else. And I'm not trying to be funny, but I am trying to be funny. But right, right. I, don't think, I don't think they know how to do well, anything else. I think people who, both the younger audience and people who are looking like sort of fun, creative marketing are not looking at Twitter as a primary platform. But in the journalist world, in the live events world, in sports, anywhere there's breaking news or things going on, for them, what Twitter thinks of something seems to be more important than what their boss or, you know, the government Absolutely. or the law or whatever. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. And, you know, Twitter also has this um, – they, they've had some uh, – I don't want to say policing, that's not the word, but some monitoring issues in recent years. <laughs> They've had some issues in terms of they could have been sold to, you know, was Disney and Salesforce and a whole bunch of, I don't know what the problem was, but they mm -hmm. didn't get sold, so they were looking for a buyer. So now they're really trying to find their identity, even though they people know them as a news app. I think they're still trying to figure out what to do. I don't know where live streaming fits in that. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, if you're live streaming, let's say you're using StreamYard and you're going to Facebook, you're going to YouTube, maybe you're going to LinkedIn Live, do you still click that Periscope button and go to Periscope as well to get yourself in that Twitter feed? Or do you say like, hey, let's just back off and see what they're going to do with this before I continue serving content out there? That's a really good question. I think that it really depends on where your audience is. All of this depends on where your audience is. Right. Now, I'm still on Periscope because I still have a core of people that watch Mediascope on Periscope. And right. I hate to disappoint them. So because really, it has been glitchy and buggy for a while when I was like, to hell with Periscope and all of its kin. <laughs> and I was ready to be like, throw it down the garbage disposal and, and hit the switch. But I knew that I had people there. And because of them, that's why I said it had nothing to do with them or Twitter. It was because of them that I stayed. So really, I, it, it depends on if you if you don't have an audience there, they're already not taking any new signups. So, you know, forget about that. But if you're there and you just hear crickets whenever you're there, maybe <laughs> it is advantageous for you to decide where you're going to go next. Exactly, exactly. And I, I still go there because there's always every few guests, there'll be somebody who retweets it and, you know, a bunch of new people see it. And I feel like we're reaching new new potential customers that right. way. But I, you can also hear a pin drop in the in the Periscope chat. And oh it didn't used to be like that. And I say that as somebody who almost never went live from the app with my phone. But the few times that I did, you, there were people that I knew couldn't wait to jump in and get on that. And it's not the case anymore. It's, it's, it's a, it's not a ghost town, but it's awfully quiet. 
It is. It is. I. I, <laughs> I mean, the crickets are deafening. Yeah. If, if, if unless you already had a very strong presence there, mm-hmm. and you know, this is the thing. Even though Periscope is Twitter, the two are kind of mutually exclusive. So simply because you have an audience on Periscope does not mean that you also have that same audience on Twitter. It's it's strange that way because they're integrated, but they're separate at the same time. Right. So you know. Think it for some people, if you've done a really good job of meshing the two, making sure that whoever you have on Periscope is also who you have on Twitter, then that's good. But if not, you could be dealing with two completely separate audiences and starting from ground zero again when you when Twitter finally decides what they're going to do with live streaming. So that's something to think right. about as well. And I guess if you are somebody who's been used to having a lot of success on Periscope and that's been your big call to action you might want to now start encouraging your audience to follow you on Twitter, sending new people to Twitter and, and building up that account because that's, that's where this thing's going to continue in one form or another. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, I would also say that I love social media, you know, this, and I know you love social media, but we also know that social media can pivot, disappoint, Mm -hmm. close at the drop of a dime. We have nothing to say about it because we don't pay for it. So it is really again, advantageous to drive your audience to platforms that you actually own, start an email list, connect with your audience off of these platforms, because if it closes and then you don't have any way to connect with them, you've lost that part of the audience and probably they're not going to look for you. Right. right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much for, for jumping on at the last minute, Dr. Tachi. It's, uh, It's an interesting time with Periscope and it brings back some memories, but also some things to consider going forward. I'm sure you're going to talk about it on Mediascope. 6 p.m. Eastern today. Where can people find that across social media? Today, you can still find it on Periscope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Periscope slash Twitter. I am at T-A-C-H-I-A-D-A. We're also on Facebook Live here on the the Mediascope page, Mediascope 16. And you can um, find Find us on LinkedIn live as well. And uh, under my name, Chitachi Egwu, PhD. And if you don't remember any of that, listen live, WJMSradio.com. WJMS Radio. WJMS.com. All right. (laughs) Very good. Thank you so much, (laughs) Dr. Chachi. Great to see you. Thank you. Good to see you too. All right, that is Dr. Tachi. You can also check the archive, not right now, but at a, a later time, you can check the show archive. She was a guest on a couple of shows before. She joined us live in person at PodFest and also was a guest for the full episode earlier in the year. And we do want to remind you to subscribe to the YouTube channel for StreamYard, like the Facebook page for StreamYard. Also join the StreamYard community group where you can have conversations about the platform, learn from other users, find guests, get tips, all sorts of good things going on there. And of course, if you're not yet using StreamYard, you can sign up at livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard. There it is, livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard. You can save some money. You can uh, get a free trial. Lots of good stuff, livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard. And as we continue here, I'm Ross Brand. This is StreamYard Connect. We're here every Wednesday at 
2 p.m. Eastern, and we're going to get to our next guest. I've been looking forward to talking about this topic for quite a while. We've never done it on this show. This is episode 57. It is about time. He's also an amazing guest, Stephen Kaplan. I saw him on with Dana and Kelsey on the StreamYard Spotlight. The passion he had talking about his show and how he does it and how he preps and book guests and all these things. It was just a phenomenal segment. And so we're not going to go in that direction today because it's a, it's all there and it's all perfect. So check that out when you have a chance today, we're going to talk about photography and more specifically how you can upgrade your social profiles and your content by taking better photos and using the tools that you have, whether it's your phone, a camera, uh, you can you can definitely upgrade the look of and the branding of your social media presence. And I want to welcome Stefan Kaplan. It's great to see you, my friend. Hey, hi, Ross. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm doing great, man. I am so psyched to follow Dr. Tachi. She's one of my favorite like live streamers on the air and her energy is, is, I guess, well, thanks for the compliment. If you put me and her in a room, man, whoa, it would be like <laughs> spontaneous live streaming combustion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, well, uh, it, it is definitely, uh, pretty cool to have you both on the show at the Thank same you. on the same episode Absolutely. i want to just talk a little bit about your your background because it's it's some background to tell you the truth i mean Thanks. you Thank have you. done some amazing work if i go in the correct direction there <laughs> um you're, you're right now you're a social media and visual strategist and you host spin it social every saturday morning but not this saturday you're taking this saturday off right but the spin it the spin it social hour the spin it social hour you yep. are the host you talk to a lot of different photographers about what they're doing their work what inspires them and that is again saturday mornings 10 a.m eastern mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. on facebook at facebook.com slash stefan spin it social you can find it across social media on youtube it's the spin it social hour on wh where else do you go you go to periscope oh, i go to periscope and twitter uh, and, and you know, spin I it have, social <laughs> uh, spin it social on twitter uh yeah on periscope and then the spin it social out spin it social hour on youtube and of course i stream i'm very honored to be able to stream for a month now to linkedin live oh that's that's cool how's the how's the response been on linkedin live it's been good. It's, as you know, and we all know, Dana and I and other people have always talked about this. You know, it's a building process, you right. know, uh, especially doing live streaming on LinkedIn. But my main reason for being thrilled to be able to stream the LinkedIn live is to bring some of these great photographers that I bring on the Spin It Social Hour um, to these corporate you know, um, to these executives and everybody else on LinkedIn who need portraits, who need great pictures. I mean, I, I bring on the best of the best, you know. Well, you've had quite a career as a photographer and an independent photojournalist. You've been mm -hmm. the you've been a former New York Times supervising photography editor. Mm -hmm. Your uh, photos are featured on uh, Law and Order S uh, SBU. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I knew it was one of the Law and Orders. And also, you're in uh, two major New York City museums in the permanent collection. Give us an, an overview of, you know, kind of how you got started as a professional photographer and yeah. a few of the highlights along the way. 
Well, you know, um, growing up in Greenwich Village, I, I had so much to look at. I mean, Greenwich right. Village was like amazing to grow up in. And I only wish I had picked up a camera earlier. But I did pick it up at, at a certain age. Uh, I was given my first camera by a great friend of mine. Um, and Ronaldo Robinson is his name. Great photographer. And then um, I ended up uh, taking, uh, get, taking an interest to it. Um, and then I took a course at Baruch College in darkroom photography. Uh, and then, of course, I ended up getting a job at the New York Times uh, as a started there as a clerk, worked my way up uh, and then became a photo editor for 15 years, a supervising photo editor for the wire service. Mm -hmm. The great thing about working for the wire service real quick is that I got to edit photos. I was able to edit photos from all over the world every day. Whereas, you know, being a, a former newsman and everything, too, is that, you know, every editor has a certain section. Right. It's and that the wire. You do everything every single day, every mm -hmm. single night, you know, and That's then great. and then I ended up I only took like two or three courses in my life, both at ICP, the International Center for Photography. Big shout out to them. Everybody should support ICP in New York. I great took a course there. I took a course there. Once. Yeah, they're fantastic. And, it was uh, a little over my head, but I, I still found it a great experience. <laughs> well, it, it's all about experience, Ross. And I took a course with my mentor, one of my great, great friends in life, and somebody I'll always be indebted to, Alan Frame. What a great name for a photography teacher, <laughs> Frame, you know? Right, right, right. Anyway, Alan is a classic photographer, great guy. And we were talking, and one day in his class, he said, Stefan, why don't you start documenting the NYPD? Because my mother's a retired police officer. She was one of the first NYPD uh, female police officers in 1973 um, and to patrol with the men armed. And the thing is that and she was a great cop. Um, and uh, anyway, so he said it, the course was called Developing Your Personal Vision. Well, I started developing my personal vision and there is nothing like getting into personal projects. And we'll talk about that. It's really important for everybody, even in social media, to work on personal projects and show people what you've got. You don't want to always copy people. You want to be original. Original is where it's at. And quality over quantity, always. You know, I just want to show that that picture. I, I have it on my uh, computer, so I'm going to show it as an overlay. It's going sure. to cover us. Sure. But the NYPD oh. spread. Uh, just tell us a little bit about what 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 people are seeing here. Yeah. Well, this was an honor. I got a half a page. You know what newsprint is like these days. <laughs> hey, right. <laughs> Even back then, I got a, a, a huge layout in the metro section on a big show I had um, at the New York City Police Museum. And it was an honor because I spent 10 years doing this, showing the life of cops. And, you know, um, it, it was all about documenting the life. It wasn't just about crime. It was about right. documenting the life. So anyway, I then ended up with my photos on Law & Order. They're in the permanent collection of the Museum of the City of New York and the New York City Police Museum. And um, in in the New York in the uh, uh, the Museum of the City of New York, there's a great movie that everybody should see on the history of New York called Timescapes. That's narrated by Stanley Tucci. And in that, not one of these photos, but there's a photo of a cop on New Year's Eve in it. So basically, I documented the job for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And 9-11 really, sadly, put, it, uh, uh, put that to bed because the whole nature of policing changed after 9-11, as we know, you know. Right, right. But what it allowed me to do, Ross, was it allowed me to work on such a great lengthy project that really 
made me think in so many different ways. And that's what projects do for you, you know? Right, right. Now, I imagine that the photo that you either licensed or sold to Law & Order, we wouldn't be able to show here on our show. But can you tell us what the image is so maybe sure. we can look for it next time we watch the open? Sure. Well, it's on the SVU unit uh, show. Right. And the bottom line is it's been on there for 20 years plus. NBC got the deal of a lifetime with me back then. <laughs> um, if I had known they were going to show it for 20 years, I would have held out for a lot more. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, NBC, Law & Order, it's an honor. I got to hang out for mm -hmm. a time with Jerry Orbach. God bless him. Rest, uh, may rest in peace. Great guy. All these people in Law & Order and stuff, even though Jerry wasn't on SVU. But right. anyway, um, it uh, there are three photos. Uh, they might be down to two now. You know, they edit a lot after 20 right, years. Right. But one is of uh, some uh, ESU cops and, and uh, EMS workers picking up a child putting them into an ambulance on a stretcher. You don't see the child's face, of course. A very mm -hmm. dramatic photo uh, after an accident in the meat market. And then the other one is of a major crime scene in New York once where I was the first photographer on the scene. And I ended up with a full front, my first photo exclusive on the front of the Daily News way back mm -hmm. when, even though I work for the New York Times. Right, <laughs> That's right. a long story. We won't get into that one. <laughs> Well, before we get into some of your advice right. on photography for everybody, I just want to show people a, a quick video that you put together of your work, and it's, it's well, no, really this stunning. Is, this is the opening of my show of photographers and their work. Oh, okay. So this is not your work. This is the people who've been no, on your this show. This is the part we'll talk about, which is editing other people's work to even your yours. And these are photographer followed by photo, photographer followed by photo, all my guests so far. Oh, okay. Okay. Here we go. Let's take sure. a look. Sure. So how did you go about putting that together and, and what are some tips that, you know, everyday creators could take away for one selecting photos and then how sure. you arrange or organize photos with other photos to make that work? Because obviously it just flows beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it brings, it does my heart good to see all those great photographers and their work. Uh, many are friends uh, and they're so talented, but really, you know, we're going to talk about two things here. One is creating great imagery, of course. Right. Uh, and a couple of quick tips on that and then editing because editing is a huge part of every part of the process, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you want to be able to always pick the best pictures. You know, we take a lot of photos with our smartphones and uh, sometimes too many. And we get overwhelmed uh, going through them all, but um, and also picking them out when we're at events and things. But now, of course, we're not at many events because of the pandemic. Right. But 
um, still, I walk around a lot and I still take a lot of photos all masked up naturally and everything. <laughs> uh, my glasses keep fogging up. So I have to now photograph like this <laughs> and uh, because I can't find anything to make my glasses stop fogging up. But really, let's first, uh, in terms of your question about picking mm -hmm. those photos, and first I came up with a concept. How, what was going to be a great opening for the show and what was it going to illustrate? Mm -hmm. Well, first I picked out all the imagery and I was just going to show the images, but I said, well, that's good, but you have to also show the photographer then because how are people going to distinguish who right, took right. what? So I came up with the idea uh, through all the years of editing, show a photographer, photo, photographer, photo. But then, of course, you got to pick out just the right photos. Um, mm -hmm. And they had to be the right mix, the right blend of photos uh, that were going to capture people in that well, about a minute, I think it is. Um, and then the music. Now, the great thing about doing this stuff is that you don't always have to pay through the nose for everything. Right, that, right. You really don't, as you and I talk about with mics, with everything, right? Right. Um, and um, in terms of uh, using, I use Adobe Spark Post to put that together. And Spark Post is great because I dropped all the photos in and I'm able to rearrange them. And then they have the selection of music. A lot mm -hmm. of it, don't take offense to this, Spark Post is really, really <laughs> really hokey <laughs> right but there's a couple that i've used here and there for different presentations that work great and this that music fits man it fits like a glove you know exactly but exactly it's editing is huge i always tell everybody take the time to look at everything you pick we all take too many photos these days <laughs> because you know when you used to shoot film you ran out of film that was it right 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 you have unlimited so, so you would go somewhere and you would shoot 35 images or whatever. 36, right. And, and you now know, you, point. right. Now you go somewhere and you can actually take 2000. And the first thing you do when you come back is I don't really want to go through all these. <laughs> but you make mistakes too, by taking so many photos because you're then running through and flicking through so many photos right. that you then pick one by mistake and even put out the wrong photo, you know, because let's make, let's, let's, talk truth here in social media a lot of it you know we always want to be out there quick and right. we want to do things quick and we want to get things out there you know it's part of the game so to speak but i implore please everybody quality over quantity i take about five to ten minutes to write every tweet and another five minutes to pick the right photo <laughs> so it takes me 15 to 20 minutes to put out a tweet now not when i'm doing a live event or other things or i'm on deadline but you know, when it comes to most stuff, I take my time to really make sure everything works perfectly. Right. You know, right. and I had shared a couple of examples with you. I don't know if you have one even, but but on Twitter, for example, how to build a good layout of photos mm -hmm. with things to show the strength of a layout in Twitter. You know, Twitter's dynamic that way because a lot of people tweet out one photo. I love to put together little photo collages, mm -hmm. essays with four photo combos, or you could use one vertical as the first photo, which always shows up as a full vertical, and then two horizontals for the other two. So you have a beautiful grid. So and you're doing it just by the order of which the photo, which photo you upload when you're not actually putting it into a collage maker or, no. uh, you know, some no. some editor and doing that. You're no, just I'm using the I love the native platform. I love mm -hmm. the I've always been a big fan of the native platforms because I find that they work really great and are true to form.
Now, there's other things I use collages and other. I've gotten big into Canva. Everybody should learn Canva. Mm -hmm. the, the card you saw at the end of that slideshow with my co-producer, Jonathan Borstein, who's a great, great help to me um, in right. helping run the scene, behind the scenes stuff for the show. Uh, because we know producing shows is a lot of work, man. Right, right. But anyway, so um, get to know the native platforms, get to know other things like Canva. Canva is really great. You can use it in so many and get the pro version, even though it's a little, you know, uh, pricey to some. It's worth every penny I found because I was using the non-pro version. I went up to the pro version much better, much better. The background removal tool is worth the price of. The yeah. I mean, and it's, and it's like perfect, yeah. it, you know, maybe not at a professional level perfect, but compared to the other oh. tools that I've used in the past where right. it would take so long mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. And by the what? way, cheers to StreamYard. Yes. <laughs> Here we go. There we go. Cheers <laughs> to StreamYard. <laughs> I'm hearing a, I'm hearing a bit of an echo. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know let if me, anybody else is. Let me move my mic down. How's that? Um. I think it might be because of your speakers. Oh, okay. Well, uh, um, Do you have uh, earbuds or headphones handy? I do. I do. I do. Go ahead and grab that, and um, I will jump on solo for a second. This is StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. We're here every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are talking with Stefan Kaplan, who is a professional photographer, now working as both a live streaming host and a social media and visual strategist, and he's here to share some tips. So looks like he's got the headphones in, and there you go. You got the earbuds in. Uh, I'm not hearing anything echoing. So <laughs> let's let's start at the beginning. Um, you have your smartphone. You, you've got – I keep picking up uh, something that isn't a smartphone but is the same color. Here we go. I got a smartphone. Okay. I'm going to go out somewhere. I'm going to go to an event. I'm going right. to go for a walk in a nice neighborhood or mm -hmm. a nice park. And I think, boy, I should get some pictures and have some variety on my Instagram. Right. Or maybe even take a selfie of myself in a right. cool environment. What are some of the basics that people need to know in order to upgrade the quality of their photos if they're not a professional photographer or someone who's been trained. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first thing I could say is that you always want to try to use angles in mm -hmm. many different ways. I, a lot of people love to take photos dead on, you know, dead mm -hmm. center. Use angles. You get creative with stuff, um, and it'll really help you a lot. The other thing is um, I'm all about angles. The other thing is make sure that you uh, check your settings, learn the settings on your phone. There are so many these days that are so invaluable. Um, you want to, you want to um, uh, turn on HDR, for example. You want to mm -hmm. use HDR. Sorry about this. And you want to be able to also uh, make sure that uh, you have the settings to the highest resolution. There's no mm -hmm. sense in using your smartphones for great photography if you have it set to the lower medium resolution because a lot of people are concerned, oh my God, it's going to overwhelm my phone and I'm not going to have a lot of um, I'm not going to have a lot of memory and it's going to soak up all the storage. Upload, take, um, use Google Photos and upload all your photos every now and then to Google Photos and clear your phone, you know? Mm -hmm. 
clear your phone and use it at its maximum resolution. And HDR should always be on because it really makes the photos pop and what not is, in a bad What way. is HDR? High dynamic range. And what does that do? It just captures more of the light and color and stuff? Yeah, it allows the highlights and the low light, uh, the, the, the high and the low to accentuate more. Uh, and it really helps a lot. And everybody should learn the editing tools too in the, on their phone. Um, I love personally, I love Snapseed. Snap and then Seed. Snapseed is wonderful because mm -hmm. with Snapseed, uh, it has all these great uh, functions to edit, edit with. And that's really important. Um, it's a great, great app. It's free. Uh, I love using Snapseed. And also use, learn to use the internal um, editing functions on the phone you have. Right. You know, right. saturation, brightness, contrast, the highs and lows, all those things, brightness, darkness, you know, um, because it will really help a lot, a lot. So you mentioned you had a guest on with the last name Frame. <laughs> when it comes to framing, <laughs> yes. What what are some of the the keys to look for to cuz how you frame something, we all take pictures of many of the same you know landmarks and great great sites and so forth and somebody's picture becomes iconic and everybody else's picture maybe not so, right? It's it's a right. nice picture on there. Uh, on their slideshow or what have you. What is it that somebody's doing when they pick that angle or they pick that moment? What what do you look for as a photographer to to capture the image that, you know, that's the front page image or that's the image that, you know, yeah. 20 years from now is in a permanent collection somewhere? Well, you know, I mean, the the moment is everything. I mean, being mm -hmm. being a photographer for so many years uh, and, and a visual person, it's kind of built into, you know, uh, it's almost like programmed after a while. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm able to find these things sometimes and predict them before they happen. You know, mm -hmm. um, I'd say the more photos you take and, and, the, and the, and the more, um, the more photos you take, the better you get. And I tell people all the time, don't just take photos when you need them. Keep right. learning new things all the time. Go out, shoot different subject matter. Uh, even if it's in a park, if it's in a in a in a in the middle of New York City, wherever it is, look around and observe. You know, we're all observers of life, and being observers of life is what teaches you more than anything. Because then, slowly but surely, you get better at predicting things. I can be at an event, for example, when I was covering the I covered the Pulitzer Prizes now three to four years in a row, mm -hmm. uh, covering the announcements and covering the awards with Dana Kennedy. Uh, and it was an honor to work with her in the Pulitzers. But my point is that here's a great example. I was covering the Pulitzers and I was uh, there and I was covering um, uh, Kendrick Lamar uh, uh, walking up to the stairs at Columbia University to capture uh, the, um, uh, to capture, to get his Pulitzer for uh, music that mm -hmm. year. And the bottom line is that I had to make a judgment at that moment. Was I going to do video or photo? Now, this is a big thing these days, being, right. in, multi being in multimedia. Uh, everybody wants to learn to develop this skill. It's really important. Because being in multimedia, which we're all in now, especially with live streaming and everything else, you have to make judgments now, photo or vi still or video, video or still. And it's really important. So when Go he was live or record the interview. 
Yeah. Know, all those different kinds of things. But what's what's the moment? Is it right. fluid? And is it capturing that moment on video with sound and everything else? Or is it capturing that moment on still that's going to also be great, but it's really important to get the whole, the whole scene? So when Kendrick was walking up the stairs... I made a judgment call. I heard all the shutters going off from the other photographers. I the the, the scene was just right for video, so mm -hmm. I went with it. And man, that video went everywhere because mm -hmm. he walked up the stairs. Dana welcomed him. She said, "I remember her words exactly. What a what a great moment." She said, "It's an honor to meet you." He said, "It's an honor to meet you too." She said, "We're both making history this year because he was the first rapper to ever win a Grammy." And also she was the first African-American and female administrator of the Pulitzer Prizes that year. So it was a big moment. You heard them congratulate right, each right. other and then walk in. And her son was there too. And right. Jordan, and he said to, uh, to her, hey, Ma, can you take my picture? <laughs> what, <laughs> what else, right? What else does a 13-year-old <laughs> do but ask mom to take while she's while she's welcoming one of the big, uh, you know, stars of the day, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I see so many positive of comments of people saying that they're learning and that they love your work and your I show do. and uh i i just want to say hi to everybody watching on facebook and on youtube and on periscope and twitter we appreciate you being here for Streamyard connect uh so much to talk it's such a rich topic now you mentioned video yeah um did you start doing video recently or have you worked with video for a long time you know, that's that, I'm glad you asked that question because I was always a purist. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up, uh, you know, taking black and white photos with my Nikon right, right. EM. Then I moved to uh, to digital and 9-11. Uh, after 9-11, everything changed, of course. That was when digital was really evolving. Right. So um, anyway, I was never in the video. But I have to credit smartphone photography with really being the thing that started me off with video. And I really learned the importance of also creating great video. Um, I was just at Saks Fifth Avenue watching the windows two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I handheld with my Samsung S10, uh, which is my smartphone of choice, best camera on the market, in my opinion. I have no stock in Samsung. Uh, but the bottom line is that I stood there and I did what I call just look up. You showed that photo of me before at the World Trade Center. Uh, and that is my one of my big things that I preach about. Everybody knows me for two things. Just create and just look up. Uh, I don't know if you showed, I forget earlier that my mantra too, uh, which is really uh, what I go by from Nathan Sawaya, who's a uh, right there, create what you see, create what you feel, create what you've never seen, just create. When I saw these words one day at an exhibit called Art of the Brick, which mm -hmm. was a great Lego exhibit in Times Square, it so, you know, when you see something, it possesses you right? Right. <laughs> and you read something for the first time, those words made me into a create, um, creating maniac. And I went out and just create became one of my big hashtags and just look up is the other one. If you right. follow me on Twitter, I have a huge Twitter thread for two things, just create and just look up. If you search those hashtags and you look, you'll find a Twitter thread that for each of them that goes back almost two or three years each. So and, 
Oh, I just I want to just jump back to the video for a second. Yeah, I'm because, sorry. Yes. Yeah, no, no, no. That was great. That was great stuff. Um, some of the people here probably do more video than photography, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they're starting. We're starting to learn. Those of us who've been live streaming for a while. My background was in radio, so okay. the video part is new, and I'm learning more about it and more right. about it. As I say, decide to do some still photography. Mm -hmm the same principles with lighting with mm -hmm. angles with mm -hmm. framing do the same ones apply or is it a, a lot of difference and a lot yeah. of nuance in there there's a lot of difference you know when you're dealing with moving subjects and you're rolling with a camera and everything video wise there is so much to pay attention to right you know um the sound uh the angle well you know the sound is the one of the most important things you know right. the sensors on our smartphones are so dynamic they're incredible one of the things i preach about a lot too is never using flash i've mm -hmm. never been a big person using flash even with my photography i'm a big low light guy i love mm -hmm. using natural light ambient light even too at night Right, uh, I've right. taken some phenomenal photos outside of museums like the Met, uh, other things in the middle of nowhere. I ran, I was at an, at an ice cream parlor in the middle of Wisconsin somewhere once. It looked like something out of happy days, you know, right, all, right. The, all this neon and it was lit up and it was dark everywhere. And it was my Edward Hopper moment, as I call it. Right. And it was, as I nailed it because, and I was so happy because it, no flash and all the neon and all the brightness from the building itself in the middle of this nowhere was just incredible. And it just spoke for itself. But wow. to get to your question about video or still and how much there is to balance, one of the things with video that's most important too is really learning. Either use a very good selfie stick to hold it steady. And I know you use that a lot. Um, but also mastering the art of hand, hand holding your camera really steady. You know, mm -hmm. you have to think. And I always tell people, plant yourself. Take a deep breath when you're doing video and stay still. Unless you're following somebody like I do sometimes, like a guy dressed up like a Christmas tree walking down 14th Street. <laughs> and I have this great little uh, hyperlapse video of him walking down 14th Street really fast. And all you see is legs and a Christmas tree running mm -hmm. down 14th Street on my Twitter feed somewhere. <laughs> so you do a lot of street photography as well. Oh, I, I mean, it's I mean, New York City is like the perfect it's like a studio for street photography. I mean, you can just walk outside at any time of day and there's yeah. something interesting yeah. to photograph. Um, Anita has a great question here. Yeah. Anita Sonia um, says, what about product photography? A lot of people mm -hmm. take pictures of products for mm -hmm. social media, mm -hmm. for reviews. Mm -hmm. Any tips to do that, you know, in a simple yeah. way with a mobile phone? I tell you, man, you can do incredible things. I've always told people, stop with all the stock imagery. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it for yourself, go out and create stuff. Like I said, my hashtag, just create, I mean right. it. Uh, if somebody says to me, for example, they need something, I'll try the, my darndest to find the thing to just create, you know, get yourself a small lighting kit, get yourself a little like sort of, uh, um, um, kit where you can put products in that then you use the right lighting to photograph them as product stills and things. Uh, B and H, you know, has everything. You just have to go <laughs> click at a dime on, I don't need, I don't I'm not plugging B and H, but you know, you can look at everything on there or wherever you want to buy. But the thing is that, um, for product photography, you, you, you know, you want to be 
really good with your smartphone. And if you can invest also in a, uh, in a good uh, mirrorless camera, that's also good too. I really think it's important to have both and get better at both. Mm -hmm. One of the cardinal rules with photography, if you can afford to do it, is always learn how to take pictures with a regular camera first. You know, but listen, where we're living in a smartphone age, I'm not going to say that you can't learn with a smartphone. You can. Um, but uh, Anita, I would say um, get some important elements that you need, like a good kit uh, to take the product shots with. They sell all these ensembles of things and and uh, and do that first and foremost. Get get backdrops, create a little studio for yourself at home. There's a great photographer and I am going to plug her because I love her work and she was a guest on my show. Her name is Simi Joy, S-I-M-I-J-O-I-S. And uh, she is Culinary Optics Online. C-U-L, uh, Culinary Optics on Instagram. And even Andrew Scrivani is another great food photographer. Why do I say food photographers? Because food photographers are the masters of doing product shots. Right, right. You have to. If you can't make food look good, you can't make anything look good. <laughs> food know? photography isn't easy, though, to find the right angle. And then you've got light coming from yeah. everywhere yeah. and <laughs> reflections. Yeah. That, may have, and that may have come out wrong. Did I say it the right way? You have to make food look good in order to make, right, right, you right. know, um, <laughs> you have to make food look good. And Andrew Scrivani is a master. Uh, and just find him, Andrew Scrivani, S-C-R-I, S-C-R-I-V-A-N-I, uh, one of the legends uh, who's done a lot of stuff, food photography-wise, and Simi Joy. You will learn a lot about product shots from them because, listen, food is a product. Right. You know? Absolutely. How are you doing on time? Can you stick around a little bit longer? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Are you kidding me? I love <laughs> so talking. much great I stuff I love talking talk about, about this stuff. So um, in addition to, like, food photography and uh, product photography, which are two huge parts of, like, Instagram, Right. The other area you see a lot on Instagram is the selfie. What does it take to take a good selfie? Why do some people seem to be magical at it in one take? They get the whole group or they get themselves and they have that perfect photo. And then other times people like me are struggling like, uh, oh, wait, it's I can't do it if it's in this hand. Let me see if I can. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I've had to get better and better at selfies myself because photographers aren't really about selfies, you know, um, not, no one, me and any of the people. <laughs> but I had to get better at it because in social media, you need some, you know, right. and it's important. One thing, if you uh, you showed that card of you and I that you created a beautiful mm -hmm. card for the show of you and I, that photo um, I took on my way back from uh, Colorado. I was visiting a very dear friend of mine. Uh, I was a social media coach for a lot of executives, and I visited a professor named Rich Feller in Colorado. I went to Gorin Brothers, uh, bought that hat, my chapeau as I call it, <laughs> and I wear that hat almost every show now. And I love that hat, but I took that selfie right in front of my oak tree in my in front of my house on a beautiful day. You know, you if you want to do a good selfie of yourself, you want to be relaxed. Mm -hmm. Oops, you want boy, I'm sorry about the uh, no audio worries. with the thing. No um, you sound any, good. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I you wanna you wanna be able to take great uh, selfies by being relaxed. 
You want to make sure that you're uh, positioning yourself now with a lot of bright light coming down on you, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, overcast days in general will give you just that, a, a low light overcast photo. So you want to find the right days. Now, if you don't have the opportune situation, that's why I say practice makes perfect. You want to take selfies on good days, on bad days and everything. Don't just take them when you need them because right. when that moment comes, you're going to need it. You're not going to have that opportune moment, you know? Right. right. The other thing is um, Sri Srinivasan, who I work with, um, I'm one of the Digi Mentors group. I work, uh, I work with right. the Digi Mentors a lot, uh, uh, part-time as a consultant, and I'm one of their team. Sri is the master of doing selfies at events. I can't tell you. He has gotten a hundred people in his selfies. I, I saw I, him speak at Columbia University once. I went yeah. to a, a speech that he was giving, and yeah. yeah, he turned around. He got the whole group in in two seconds. It was like three is the he's you know. I don't know. Sometimes I think he's Inspector Gadget. You know how the <laughs> arm just extends and he's able to hold it at right at the perfect angle. He has mastered it. So whenever we're together, me and him, I always do selfies um, of us. Uh, uh, you know, doing things. Uh, and, but when he, when it's a big group, I always defer to him sometimes, right. but I've gotten much better at doing, uh, at doing group selfies too. So I'm, I'm very capable of doing them too, but it's, it's a, it's an art form. Do more, uh, create and always, always practice, you know? You mentioned when we were talking about still photography, you mentioned mm -hmm. mirrorless camera. You did mm -hmm. not use the term DSLR. Right. Do you think that mirrorless is the way people should go from now on? I, I think the technology is incredible. And you can also get mirrorless cameras at a much better price. Uh, plus, they're a lot lighter and easier to carry. DSLRs are tanks. Right. And if you buy a really expensive DSLR, and I love them. If I could have a top of the line DSLR, you know, that costs like 10 grand, you know, or five grand plus for a really high price one, I would. But I still use my Samsung NX1, which they don't even make anymore, but mm -hmm. I keep it and I polish it and I keep it clean and I take really good care of it. It was, in my opinion, one of the best mirrorless cameras ever put out. Um, I use an 18 to 50 2.8 lens. Mm -hmm. Super sharp, great focal length, 18 to 50. Mm -hmm. But man, Samsung, oh, I mean, I wish they'd get back in the market again. Right. But what happened was the time when they were having a lot of problems with the phone, uh, I don't want to say why. Again, we know what happened back then with the Samsung <laughs> phones. Um, anyway, um, they came out with pro cameras at the same time. Right. You know, there was a big expense that they lost with the phones, what was going on. So they right. abandoned the pro market also because of the competition, I think. But that Samsung NX1 was one of the best. So I'd love to have two cameras on hand, too, because... You want to be able to be ready for problems. What if your smartphone dies? Right. You know? So if you have a good mirrorless camera that you can throw on your shoulder or in a bag on your back, that's great to have. Another Pulitzer. Yeah, everything happens at the Pulitzers. <laughs> <laughs> when you're covering important events like the Pulitzers, it is the, you know, the event. 
right that it's you the wanna... time nothing can go wrong no and here's everything, the quick one everything will right yeah you <laughs> yeah, want here's prepared. here's here's experience and here's being ready a lesson that you will take with you hopefully everybody and always carry with you i was standing at the pulitzers i've got clive davis next to me clive davis okay right. i've got don lemon next to me i've got all these important incredible people around me, musicians, journalists, uh, legends. Um, and Jennifer Hudson, speaking of legends, gets ready to take the stage to sing a tribute to Aretha Franklin. Wow. My smartphone dies. It overheats. I almost have a panic attack. <laughs> but I was ready. And this is where Always be ready and practice and get experience will teach you many things in life. I ran around the hall. I had my pro camera in a, in a room away from me. I had to do all this quickly before she took the stage. I was hopping over waiters, you name it. <laughs> I yeah. ran back, but, and so always have it next to you, not in the next room. <laughs> right, and right. I, I ran back and all of a sudden I, I got there just in time. Don Lemon looked at me and he was like, I was like, Phew. I wiped the sweat off my forehead. I turned my pro camera on and I ran the video on that. Now, the key is that it took me a lot longer to be able to download it because it was a really high res file right. on my Samsung NX1. But I got it downloaded. It went viral. Rolling Stone picked it up. Everybody picked it up. It wow. was an incredible moment with Jennifer Hudson belting out the tunes. My point, always have two cameras. Even with our smartphones, anything can go wrong. But I think the other interesting thing besides the lesson of having a backup or being right. prepared and more right. than one way to get the job done is that you, a professional photographer, somebody who's really been at events at the highest level, are happy to go ahead or or find it most convenient or beneficial to make the smartphone sometimes the primary camera. Oh, absolutely. For audio and video. I mean, for video and still. Absolutely. If my phone, if my um, cam phone hadn't died and overheated because I was working it so hard, <laughs> I mean, I was working it to death that day, that the bottom line is that, yes, our phones can do everything these days. They are magnificent. I mean, and like I said, learn the different settings. Right. Learn uh, about the wide-angle options. Learn about all the other features, including live focus, right. uh, live focus and the portrait modes on different phones uh, where you can do great special effects and videos, hyperlapse moments where I got that guy walking down the street. Uh, I'll put it out today. If everybody checks out Spin It Social, I'll put out the video of the guy running down 14th Street dressed as a Christmas tree. His name right. on Twitter is Mr. Christmas Tree. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's one of those moments where I had to decide once again, video or something else. No, I went straight hyperlapse mm -hmm. because, man, it's magical of him running down the street like that, you know? Yeah. Um, Sonia had a question earlier that, that fits right now. And the sure. question was about video editing tools on your phone, on mobile. What okay. if you, let's say you shoot something at an event or whatever, and you know, there's a clip there that somebody's going to want. Right. Well, how do you quickly go ahead and edit that video uh, rather than, 
you know, waiting till yeah. you get back to your computer. And, Absolutely. You know. Oh, my God. Such a great question. Thank you for asking that. Actually, I wanted to talk about that. So thanks for jogging that in my memory. Thank you, uh, Sonia, you for asking that. <laughs> Absolutely. Great question, Sonia. So to get to the point. Oh my God. It's so important to be able to learn to edit video on your phone. I teach smartphone photography classes at libraries all throughout Bergen County, where I live in New Jersey. And um, I'm hoping to expand that to the NYPL, hopefully NYPL, if you're listening, New York Public Library and many other places. I'd love to teach my workshop for you. Um, I do great lectures. I just gave one last night at the Suffern New York Library online. Anyway, video editing, you want to get into it. It's really important. You don't want to have to wait till you get home. You can't. Right, you have right. to be able to edit on the fly. So you want to open up the video on your phone. You want to know, also uh, learn, uh, you know, shooting video a lot of the time, not all the time, horizontal, because you want to get a lot in it, right? Right, right. But you want to call up the editing feature with that little pen tool, you know, that tool. Mm -hmm. You call up the video, uh, the editing feature, and you want to be able to learn to click and drag the bars on each side, which are the ways that you can cut into the time. And it's tricky at first, but once again, Check out some YouTube videos on it. Learn about it on your phone, the specific options, mm -hmm. and learn to edit the video. Once you get good at it, you'll you'll get good quickly. And then also make sure when you start editing on your phone, delete old ones off your phone because, man, they take up a lot of memory. And then you also go back in and you're like, which was the one that I meant to uh, save? Because oh. you can save the copy, you can save the original, you can save... Like, for me, I don't do it that often, and when right. I do it, I have to sometimes cut it down right. and then go, I didn't quite get it right, I've got to... like. Right. I find that it's very hard to drag the edges in and, and pick that, get that right. cut, right? right? But you're saying that if you do it enough times, you can become proficient to where you can yeah. actually get it to to splice exactly where you want it that is the trick mm -hmm. of course and that is the most difficult part but if you do it enough you'll learn how to drag it just to the right point you know and there are like dawn just says here there's other uh apps there's animoto there's splice there's Capwing. uh for some reason i've gotten really good at using the internal function of the editing tool on my phone so you go with what you're best at you know um but it does take a steady hand with that too, but you want to look at the time. You want to see at what moment you, okay, first things first, remember editing? Well, you want to listen to the point where you want to cut it. Mm -hmm. Of course, you want to find that perfect word, that right. perfect moment. That is key. That's first. You can't do the editing without finding that perfect moment. So, and you want to have a good set of earbuds like these uh, you want to have or a good headphone set on you because you want to be able, especially if you're outside, not just earbuds, you might want to have a headset like you have on a light set because then you'll get the really good sound that you want to get that way uh, and knock everything else out. So you can find that moment that you want to find to get right. it to that point. You know, do you use any kind of external microphone when you're shooting video with your smartphone? 
You know, I don't, but I'm about to bump up to that this year because I do want to start using that. I even want to get a mic for my professional NX1 too. Uh, because you know what? Now that I'm in your domain, Russ, <laughs> now that I'm in the live streaming field, uh, producing shows too, I produce my own show. I produce other shows. I'm producing a show tomorrow for a great brand visionary strategist named Emilio Pardo. Uh, he's Pardo Vision on Twitter. We're doing a show called Real, Li Real Talk Live from the Barn with, with oh, wow. Michael Margolis tomorrow, who's the head of Get Storied. How to tell your story in turbulent times. Wow. Very great thing. Anyway, check out Pardo Vision tomorrow on Twitter. Anyway, my point is that, um, um, you know, you want to up your game with everything, right, Ross? Right, right. Mike wise, you told me to get the Samsung mic. I'm speaking on that right now. And that's why I needed the earbuds today because you, right. I, I'm learning. You've got to have great feedback and you got to want to cut the echo. Great lighting. I have a loom cube. I have my diffuser lamps. I have my nice backdrop now. Uh, thanks to Rick Friedman, who coached me on that one. Right. You know, look at the pros. I'm looking at you all the time. I learned mm -hmm. so much from you. You are such a master at doing this. But more than anything, it's your composure that I learned from. Oh, thank you. I you are that. so incredibly composed all the time. One thing I love about you, Ross, is that you always, always, even we all make little flops here and there. Come on. You're always like, Ross, just say it. You messed up. Or, you know, there's an, I love the way, but, and you rarely mess up, by the way. But my point is that you're so natural. You're such a good guy. You're such a, a such an easygoing, natural guy. That's why people love to listen to you. And you're so good at what you do. Oh, thank you so much. That's really nice of you to say. Do you have a, I, I didn't prep you for this beforehand, but I would love to get you in my annual predictions blog post. Okay. Do you have a prediction? It doesn't have to be live streaming. It doesn't have to be photography, but a prediction for, for 2021. Oh, God. First of all, good riddance 2020. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm wiping my head. Goodbye, 2020. You're over there. You get the hand. You know, here's the hand. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, my prediction for 2021, um, I'm really interested more than a prediction. I'm really interested in seeing where things go now that we have vaccines on the way, now that we have everything else going on. Um, we're looking to see, we all immersed, you know, I immersed myself in this field since January, February, or whenever, when the pandemic hit, because right. I decided I was good. The reason I created my show, the Spinach Social Hour, was besides being a brand strategist for brands, uh, is I wanted to help photographers get their name and their work out there because they're getting crunched right now, as we know. Right. And um, I wanted to be able to learn how to do this. But... Um, my prediction for 2021 is I'm interested in seeing more than a prediction how people are going to pivot because if we get all this going on and, and everything gets better, I don't think we're going to get back to normalcy, but we'll get to a new normal now. How are we going to handle the new normal? Are we going to stick to all the virtual stuff? Are we going to be doing half and half? I mean, the same thing goes for being at work. Are we going to be doing going back to offices a lot? I don't know where things are going. My prediction is continue to evolve with the space and pay attention to 
everything that's going on. Don't overwhelm yourself, but listen to the experts like Ross and many other people. Listen to uh, uh, all the big people out there and make notes, man. Think about it because you have to up your game and always be learning. Always learn, man. You know, it's so important. Uh, adopt new skills, man. I right. brought all these new skills into my life because I needed to do so. So being a social media and visual strategist was not enough. I needed to up my game uh, just like I had to do from my journalism background. And now live streaming is a passion of mine. You know, it's great stuff and I love doing it. There's no better way to connect and build a community, man. Yeah, and it's the closest thing to being together in person. And if we can't get together in person, this is the closest thing. And it's the same thing for people who are vendors who don't have events to go to now yeah. to meet with customers. They can yeah. do it online and still have that interaction and still answer questions and yeah. talk about what's what's going on. My my other my other thing is that I think brands are brands have always realized uh, brands are realizing more and more, and this is the evolution of social media, is that they're realizing that. There, everything is about building community. It's all right. about community. So you always have to find, see, let me add this one point. I know sure. we're going to get to a close soon, but this is really important. I always like to teach people the importance of using visuals to communicate. Mm -hmm. I use visuals and video to communicate. I will post things on Instagram. I will post things on LinkedIn. I won't get too lengthy anymore. I will put some things, but I will let the visuals speak for themselves in many ways, you know? Um, use them to create conversation, man. You can take a great visual and spark a conversation on it like nothing else. Right, right. You know? That is so true. That is so true. What would you say that you, you if you had to boil it down to a few tips, mm -hmm. how can we upgrade as a visual strategist? How, what, what are some things, some easy wins for people to right away start to upgrade the way their profiles and their, mm -hmm. their social accounts look right. to people who consume their content? Right. Well, number one, as you know, Ross and I, I know, and many people in this field, but others, let's let's help them, right. is the fact that you always want to have great photos of yourself too. Um, like I said, I don't do a lot of selfies, but I had my friend Ronaldo one day. Actually, I didn't even have him. We were walking on the High Line before the pandemic hit, and right. we were shooting together. We love to go out there and push each other to shoot great imagery. Uh, one thing, if you walk around with somebody taking pictures, you can also sort of uh, work off each other, learn from each other, trade secrets, um, mm -hmm. use the energy between you to um, learn. You know, you look at that person's work, they look at yours, and and learn that way. Um, but the thing is that you want to be able to, um, you want to be able to take great photo. You want to have some great stock photos of yourself. Right. Um, and you also, I, wherever I go, this is uh, one of the points about using visuals to communicate. Here is a great way to communicate with people. Walk around, look for street art, look for things wherever you go, whether it's a mural painted on a wall that says love or a mural that says grow into your wings that I took one day or right. another mural that says uh, make magic every day. I think I sent you a photo of that. Uh, it's one of those things that, I use those statements, street art, and I collect street art everywhere right, I go right. because you can use those as very impactive statements uh, when you want to make points about things and encourage people. So, ah, uh, 
Here's a great one, Ross. Build your own. I'm so glad I thought about this and remembered this. Build your own stock image library. Use folders, create databases for things, file them under street art, file them under whatever subject matter. It will save you so much time when you need to find these things. Now, this is going to be funny. I don't do that as much as I'm preaching, <laughs> but I have a photogenic memory. I have a photogenic memory. I can remember a photo I took 30 years ago. Wow. Um, and I can just recall any photo I need when I need it. Now, if only I could be that lucky when I go to the supermarket every day. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's fantastic advice. Seven, this has been so much fun. Um, I, I want to keep the conversation going. Would love to have you back, especially sure. as perhaps there's a news event that involves videography or photography and yeah. get your thoughts uh, on that. Uh, but it's great having you on. Everybody check out the show. It's the Spin It Social Hour, yes. 10 a.m. Eastern, but not this week, on Saturday right. mornings. And you can find it at Facebook.com. Yep. Stefan Spin It Social. And right. on YouTube, it's the Spin It Social Hour. And of course, on you can Twitter, connect. Yeah, yeah and go on, ahead. on Twitter and Instagram. I, I know it's a little confusing, so right. but not really. Spin It Social across the board, but on Instagram and Twitter, it's also just Spin It Social. Um, but you know, um, everything is Spin It Social for me. But what's the, bottom, the best way for people to reach out if they would like to work with you? I know you do social media coaching, yeah. and yeah, I do social strategy. media strategy coaching. Please, I am open. I am looking for a new home, actually. So any brands out there that want to bring somebody like me on board. <laughs> Um, hey, I am I am uh, more than willing to work uh, with you guys. Um, I'd love to work with a brand with a lot of energy and a lot of passion. Um, but uh, you can find me also on LinkedIn, of course. Please, mm -hmm. everybody, connect with me on LinkedIn. Stefan Kaplan, S T E F F E N Kaplan, K A P L A N. LinkedIn is so important, Ross. It mm -hmm. is such an incredible platform. I love LinkedIn. Honored to be on there doing live stuff now too. But yeah, LinkedIn, congratulations is, on that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we know it's it tough. takes some time. It's not man. easy. <laughs> no, no, it took some time. But I have to tell you, I always keep applying, show them what you're doing, uh, make sure you put down the importance of what you're doing uh, and tell them the importance of what you're doing and keep applying and you'll get there. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're very picky, but I'm glad that they are. I think it's really important for that platform. So, you know, please reach out to me um, on uh, for Spin It. So the best way to communicate with me, uh, DMs on Twitter, LinkedIn messaging, um, uh, Facebook. Uh, I, I answer everywhere. Do not hesitate to contact me. I love to work with big brands and brands of any size. Thank you so much, Stefan. It's great having you on. Ross, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. That is Stefan Kaplan. Again, check him out. Check out his show. Not this week but typically 10 a.m. Eastern on Saturday mornings. And, of course, thank you to Dr. Tachi, who joined us earlier to talk about the big news story, which is Periscope will be shutting down. Twitter's going to go in a different direction, probably put all its live streaming just on the main platform. We will see how that goes. But that's coming up in March that Periscope will be shutting. So you have until March. If you've used Periscope, you want to download your material and save your data, you can do that at least up until March, maybe a little bit longer. 
but that's that's the story there. Also want to tell you about the shows we have coming up. Sunday nights, of course, it's always the Town Hall, 9 p.m. Eastern with Gage and Dan, the co-founders of StreamYard. You can find that across social media. Again, Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. They'll take your questions and share new features and what else is going on with the product. 11 a.m. Eastern StreamYard Tech Talk hosted by Daniel Glickman, the head of growth for StreamYard, talks all about technology. Of course, come back here on Wednesday for StreamYard Connect every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. And then Thursdays, we have tomorrow night, Dana Bentz and Kelsey Bentz with StreamYard Spotlight. They feature you, the StreamYard user, about how you're using StreamYard and what different ways people are using the platform in their business to build their brand. Great show, Dana and Kelsey, 8 p.m. Eastern, across social media on the StreamYard channels and pages, uh, Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern for StreamYard Spotlight. Those are our shows. Again, we'll see you next week, Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern for StreamYard Connect. Have a great day, everybody.